Hey everybody and welcome to the podcast of Nonsensical Gamers. This is Boardcast News for November 19th. My name is Matt and joining me on the cast today are my two lovely, lovely co-hosts, Miss Tiffany B. Hello. And Dan. Ladies. Thank you all for joining us again for this news episode. If you ever want to reach out to us, you can always do so by finding us on Facebook by searching for the League of Nonsensical Gamers feel free to shoot us an email at podcast at nonsensicalgamers.com. You can join the conversation at the BGG Guild number 2077, or if you'd like an easier way to find the guild now, you can go to guild.nonsensicalgamers.com. That'll direct you right over to the guild. Or find us on Twitter, Instagram, all those fun places. So today, as usual, we have some news stories and we have some Kickstarter spotlights. So without further ado, let's jump right in. Dan... Take us to the news. Okay, uh, before we jump into it, I just wanted to let you all know that our hearts and thoughts go out to all those in France and Europe. Uh, we are recording this the day after the terrorist attacks, and I know we have a lot of European listeners, and just wanted to let you know we're thinking of you. So, start that off, and then we'll get right into our childhood. So, Patch has announced two new versions of Stratego. And I don't know about you guys, but I love Stratego. Uh, this is a game we used to play with our dad when we were younger. Um, it was that kind of step up. I don't even know step up, but after we learned chess, like we got into Stratego. I don't know if that was backwards or not, but it's a game that is very near and dear to me. Um, and they've announced two new versions. So, you have Stratego Waterloo. And Stratego Conquest. And these are going to offer a little different twist on the base game. Uh, the Waterloo version is said to be a more kind of intricate version that has reenactments of actual real historic battles. So I guess maybe a little bit more scenario based than just generic Stratego where you set up and play. And then Conquest, which actually I think is the more interesting of the two for me, is a version that can be played with up to four players now. Um, game originally is a two-player game, but now you can play up to four. And they've actually kind of tweaked the setting to give it a little more of a medieval fantastical feel. So this new version is going to have castles and sorcerers and dudes on horses and things like that. So pretty cool. And And the style, the actual style of the gameplay with this additional player count is going to be more of a kind of a capture the flag. So when your flag is captured, you can still play and win your flag back um, if there are other flags still remaining on the board. So a cool little twist to a classic game. So nice to see it getting a little bit of a regurgitation. <laughs> regurgitation? Yeah. It's being coughed back up from the depths. I said, who's ever happy to see a regurgitation? Only you, Dan. I think it's just, you know, we used to eat this up when we were children, and now we're spitting it back up as adults. Wow, he's really running with this metaphor. Wow. Yep. Okay. I'm going to stick to it. All so, right. um, that's that. And we'll just keep on the nostalgia train. Just one more uh, quick story. And that is that Twister, 
another game. This was actually probably more my college years than my childhood um, for various reasons that we won't get into on this Rated G podcast. Bow, chicka, bow, bow. Yes, I guess. That's not my leg on blue. <laughs> um, so Twister was just announced as one of the three National Toy Hall of Fame inductees this year. Uh, along with the Super Soaker and the Puppet. <laughs> the Puppet? Yeah, the Puppet. It just says Puppet. <laughs> okay. No specific Puppet, just the Puppet. I mean, let's just get down to it. All puppets are freaky and creepy. Um, but no, <laughs> this just kind of goes on to say the generic Puppet. As a toy which belonged in the worlds of plays and other imaginations of individual children (laughs) i made all that up but i'm assuming that's what they're saying wild but i guess kind of a fun fact i was reading that twister was actually conceived as a promotion for a shoe polish (laughs) Uh, with the people serving as like playing pieces and i guess you're trying to bend down and touch your shoes i don't know how it kind of came about but the idea was eventually sold to milton bradley um which saw it you know promise in it and they patented it and they changed the name to twister because it was originally called pretzel not sure why but i guess it makes sense when you kind of see like that you're contorting yourself like a pretzel and it's kind of a funny story about like the trail that twister took to popularity because they actually Sears Roebuck actually refused to carry it because they thought it was a little too racy. So Milton Bradley canceled production. But when this production um, was canceled, nobody had told the Tonight Show hosted by Johnny Carson back in the day um, about this cancellation. And Twister was actually lined up for one of their segments. And Johnny Carson and an actress, Eva Gabor, they actually played the game on the Tonight Show and they actually had to put it back into production and it wound up selling over 3 million copies that year. And then the rest is that, you know, now it's played at fraternity parties and any other creepy social event. So if Jimmy Fallon played Catan, it would catch wildfire. It, Jimmy, if Jimmy Fallon does anything lately, he's probably going to break his hand, uh, <laughs> cut himself or do a number of other just strange things that injure himself. God bless him. I love him. But yeah, I don't know if I want him playing games, especially with me, because it seems like hazardous at the moment. (laughs) Side note, toyhalloffame.org. The list of toys inducted into the Toy Hall of Fame is bizarre because it's this mix of branded and unbranded products Mm -hmm. like the Rubik's Cube, Scrabble, Star Wars action figures. But then they have weird just just things like the puppet and they like marbles and jump rope yeah little green army men so that's like, how it's described board game wise i believe the only other ones they had were chess candy lamp and scrabble i believe checkers um, checkers I dominoes think is on there. so yeah some other ones this year though uh battleship and jenga were among the nominees battleship however twister didn't make it in did not no Battleship is more fun than puppets. That was my jam, Battleship. Oh. So that's that's a little trip down memory lane to start the news off with. So um, that's pretty cool. Uh, next up is a, a game roundup. So AEG, um, haven't heard much from these guys lately other than like them selling off their different properties, etc. But they've announced three new 
uh, games that will be launching within the next, I guess, six months or so. Uh, the first one is called Greedy Greedy Goblins. This is due out in Q2 of next year. Uh, and this is a Richard Garfield design. So that's pretty cool. Um, it's a tile placement and bluffing game in which players are competing as goblins, simultaneously digging through mines to find treasures and claim things before anything, anyone else. Um, it sounds interesting. I mean, anytime you put bluffing and tile placement, those are like two of my favorites. I'm, I'm going to, you know, sit up and go, huh? Then you throw in Richard Garfield and that's another, huh? And then you throw in goblins and it's like, huh, huh, huh? You know, that's kind of what it sounds like when I do my news reviews. Um, so that's cool. Stay tuned for that. Um, the next one is called flock. I think we've touched on this before, so I won't uh, get into it, but this is from David Mortimer and this is a hand management kind of pseudo worker placement game in which you are relying on the natural tendencies of birds. So you're going to be nesting and hatching and feeding, and you're going to, um, try to get your birds to fly and compete with other flocks. And I don't know, it's just a really bizarre theme that I'm actually oddly intrigued by. So yeah, I think it looks uh, cool. Yeah, this one's cool. So you're going to be like, there's like six actions in the middle of the table and you're going to be taking your hand of cards and like placing them on these actions to take that action. So hence the kind of worker placement kind of feel to it. Um, pretty cool. And it looks like a, it looks like a quick filler style game. Um, and the last one is from Isaac Shalev, our buddy Isaac. Uh, and this is called Ravenous River. And this is kind of cool because I actually remember him showing us this at Gen Con, not this year, 2015, but 2014. It was just, it was just in its infancy and he tried to like get us all to like, he's like, get together. This is a really quick game. Let's try it. So we tried it and it, it was still, like I said, it was still, it was still a new design. Um, but it's, it's kind of interesting to see that, uh, it's come full circle and now it's got an official release with AEG in 2016. Again, this is called Ravenous River and it's, it's kind of like a logic puzzle where you're trying to get your animal across the river. And in the process, you're trying to eat other animals and not be eaten. So there's like these boats and you're placing animals on boats, but you obviously don't want to be placed in a boat with an animal that is, you know, going to eat you, et cetera. And there's a couple of actions you can take, you know, so, um, but as I recall, it was, a, it was a fairly quick game, probably like 20 minutes. And it had some interesting kind of social elements to it, some deduction, a little bit of bluffing, that kind of thing. So pretty cool. Stay tuned for that. I'm excited to see what the final product looked like. Um, one thing I will say, and this is kind of funny because I always bash on AEG because I hate their art. But the one thing that is a common thread in all three of these games that they've announced is they look beautiful. I think they've obviously kind of stepped their game up. They they use contracted artists, as they say, but um, it looks like they've really kind of taken notice of, you know, what Asmodee's bringing to the table, what Fantasy Flight's bringing to the table as far as kind of art assets and production quality. And, you know, kudos to them. It, they look really damn good. So you officially have to pay attention to aesthetic value unless you're making gmt games yeah i think it's i think it's here to stay yeah so uh moving right along again another um game that has been announced and this is from renegade games and this is from uh designer kane klenko who's done like dead man tell no tales and pressure cooker pressure cooker mad city City. i was gonna say 
Boom City for some reason. But um, this one's called Covert. And the reason I mention this is because, number one, the box art really grabbed my attention. If you haven't seen it, it's this kind of like clandestine night setting outside of like the uh, parliament in London where these two kind of secret agents are kind of in trench coats meeting by the river. It's a really cool, cool graphic, uh, nice illustration. So that caught my attention. Then I started looking into the gameplay and it was kind of interesting. Um, it seems like a dice placement game. So you're going to be rolling a hand of dice and then allocating them different actions. You're going to be placing them numerically adjacent to other dice. So there's kind of like, I guess like a Almost like that one mechanic in Alien Frontier where you need to place in ascending order uh, to take the action. So little things like that. I mean, I know all three of us are big fans of dice placement games and always looking for new innovations to try in that space. So if the cover's anything to go by, um, this one's going to be a really nice looking game. And I really like the theme. Again, you're, you're controlling a network of spies. You're gathering intel. You're breaking codes. And it's billed as set collection, dice placement, and timing set in Cold War Europe. So... Really cool one to stay tuned for. Uh, another thing, uh, Brass and Lahav in- Inland Port have both released for Android and iOS. Brass being the classic Martin Wallace game that people either love or hate. And then Lahav Inland Port being the two-player Im- implementation of Uwe Rosenberg's Lahav. So if you're interested in those, they are now live and they look, they look nice. I haven't had a chance to try either of them out. Um, I'm more interested in Lahav than brass uh i don't know how brass would play on the ios so to speak just those heavy games always they're they're very missed for me usually in the the digital world but um yeah so check them out i said inland port looks good i downloaded it on my phone and it seems like a good implementation of that game have you played the tabletop lahav the full version yeah no Okay. Just inland port. I tried to learn the full version on the app, and that was not wise. Is inland port? I mean, I know it's supposed to be easier, right? It is easier. I mean, I've played inland port, the cardboard form, a bunch of times. I really like their like two-player Uwe Rosenberg game. So I don't know. Having already played it, it's a nice implementation. Learning it might be a little bit different if you're just starting with the app. Yeah, that's what I'm worried about. Yeah, I would have preferred to see all creatures big and small as an app first, but maybe this I was agree. just an Im- easier implementation. I like regular Lahav on the the iPad. I, I find that to be a really good implementation, and I, I like playing that every once in a while. So I might pick this one up. Um, and the last thing I have is from Games Workshop. I know we're not big minis players here, but this one is specifically for Matt because I brought this to his attention yesterday Um, and anyone else out there who is interested. um, Games Workshop has announced that they're going to be launching a what they're calling a specialist design studio. And what this is going to do, it's going to be tasked with bringing back and revamping a lot of the old GW favorites. One of these being Blood Bowl, which is pretty cool to hear because this one has been long out of print and it's a classic and i think most people would agree it's a really good game um other titles they're talking about are epic necromunda and then battlefield gothic Um, these are some of the ones that are already started eyeing up to to revamp so pretty cool um especially if you haven't been able to get your hands on a physical game of blood bowl without you know selling a kidney or a testicle or refinancing your house um this should be yeah, this will sell like hotcakes, I think, once it's announced. I'm excited. I like sports games. 
Yeah. And that's where we differ because I think I like playing sports and you like playing sports games, but I don't, I don't not find... like playing sports. No, no, no. But I'm saying I don't find playing sports games all that interesting only because sports takes up another half of my life that isn't gaming. You know what I mean? Yeah. As far as like watching and playing and that kind of thing. So I don't know what the disconnect is there, but I've never really gotten into sports games. I do love the Blood Bowl card game, though. I like that one a lot. When you play sports, you can only control yourself. When you play sports games, you get the full picture. You can control the whole team. I like that. But there's dice. I mean, not all sports games. But yes, in Blood Bowl, there are definitely dice. It's a it's a game of probabilities. Is but that's what Blood Bowl is. Tiff, do you have interest in this? No, I no? I don't like sports or sports games. What if they put the Cleveland Browns as a team that you could play because they're just as horrific and terrifying as probably any of the races you can find in this game? I know this is highly unusual for Ohioans, uh, but I don't like football like at all. Yeah, which is funny because Ohioans shouldn't like football. <laughs> Well, if you live in Columbus like I do, you're an OSU fan. You don't actually watch the Browns. I think that's how it goes. Gotcha. It's not, or the Bengals, I guess. That's like a team, maybe. I don't know. Cincinnati. Yep. Does that sound right? Okay, cool. Yeah, it yeah. is like a, like a team. <laughs> College football is, is popular where I live. Very popular. But Which, yeah, all the more reason for Tiff to stay indoors. Yeah. Well, when I was in college, I would, I would, hide on those days where there was an osu football game because it's sheer chaos in the city then so i've just i've been programmed to not enjoy it it brings about too many people sorry tiff okay that's cool (laughs) i have to admit like i'm a big football fan but i find my interest in the nfl fading quicker and quicker it's because the ravens are awful well even last year when they weren't as awful i just i don't know i spend my my weekends now watching uh premier league football soccer i was in marching band what's up that count as a sport i was in marching band yeah see that's you touched the field you touched the field yeah yeah my feet did yeah so so that's all i have for the news another um slow week hopefully this will start to pick up as year end um comes to a close and companies start to announce some things for next year or we'll just keep talking about the new versions of stratego you guys can do that I'm just teasing. All right. Are we good for Kickstarter Spotlight? Let's do it. The first project I handpicked for Dan, it's called Luna Architects, and it is from Daniel Cunningham and Iron Kitten Games. Dan, this is described as inspired by slash the spiritual successor to Glenmore. Nope. Which you are a fan of. False. There is no successor. Well, I didn't say usurper. Just that successor. It's too good to be Trump. The way that this game works is that it is a competitive game where you and the other players around the table are all trying to individually build uh, parts of this moon base on the moon. And you do this by drafting and playing tiles from a central communal pool. And they almost look like suburbia tiles the way that you put them together and you actually draft. I think the reason why it's related to Glenmore is that you draft in that same sense, kind of like Takedo, Glenmore, um, other games with that last player gets to take their turn um, before everyone else kind of thing. And you can jump forward and take whatever you want, but then that affects your ability to take a turn in the future. So it's talking about 
you know, the variability in tile arrangement and scoring and things like that, which are all determined before the game starts. So that brings like Isle of Sky to mind where you don't quite know what you're going to be scoring on before you start the game or until you start the setup and then you respond accordingly. So with all those in mind, it seems like an interesting Euro-y tile placement game that's pretty light um, and it only runs you 40 bucks, which isn't bad. But I don't know that it would replace Glenmore for you, Dan. Nope. But I mean, I'll look into it. (laughs) Yeah. If I'm being honest, I really didn't like that they put on the box cover a reimagining of Matthias Kramer's Glenmore. Like, is this really just Glenmore redone? Like, I don't know. Like, I don't understand why they would put that on the box cover. Yeah, that's what I'm not quite sure about in terms of the details on the page. And I haven't read the rule book um, verbatim, but it seems I'm I'm having trouble parsing out the differences. I'd also like to say I don't really like the cover art. I Like with a theme called Lunar Architects, I feel like you could have done so much more with that, like creatively than put five random people on a cover looking at a, uh, an igloo. <laughs> It's one of those fancy bubbly space stations. Yeah, no, I get that. But I'm saying like, I like put the space station on the cover, like put something that draws my attention. I really like this almost just looks like a sketch. Yeah. I mean, I think that when you look at the close up images, the the box art is pretty clean and it's consistent. I'm sure it's clean. I'm just, I'm saying from a, I'm saying from a attention grabbing, like, yeah, I don't look at this and go, Ooh, no, but do you look at the cover of Glenmore and go, Ooh, no, you don't, you don't. You don't. Yeah, well, shelf, Dan, if that's what you're going to say. Whoa, 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 whoa. Let's, let's also talk about when Glenmore was published and where it was published. Like, this is a game being marketed to a U.S.-based audience saying it is Glenmore 2.0. This is you And raising friendly. funds. This is raising funds. Like, I'm saying to grab my attention, this does not, like, I would have looked right over this scrolling through my Kickstarter list. The reason that I actually opened it up is because I saw the Father Geek approved label. I did almost skip over it because of the box art. So I don't disagree with you, but I think that it's representative of the idea that what you're doing is drafting blueprint tiles to play in your moon base. And that's what the people in the box are doing. By them putting that on the cover, is there a need for me to have this with Glenmore or do I just play Glenmore, which I know is a solid, amazing game? Like that's, that's my thing. Do I need to spend 40 bucks and buy Glenmore too? I agree. I don't well, know. But maybe this is going to be be the Glenmore for a new generation. Yeah, and Glenmore's not easy to get a hold of right now. For a new generation. Glenmore's not even that old. It looks old. And it's it it's an Aaliyah old, game, and, and it's a European it overrated. game. But, oh, wow. <laughs> well, this uh, might have a twist that you like. If you like the yeah. core of what Glenmore does, but you don't like Glenmore... This may be a game for you. It's called Loon Architects. played like half a game of Glenmore and lost miserably. That's shading her opinion of it. <laughs> yes, it is. It happens. So 40 bucks. There's actually a $35 pledge. I should correct that. $40 is um, to get the fancy tray stretch goal thingy. So 35 bucks with shipping. It ends December 8th. Check it out. Loon Architects. It does too. Oh, my God. Hmm. The pieces look really neat. Don't watch the video. It's kind of annoying. <laughs> it literally looks like Glenmore. Like, it doesn't... Like, it has the market. It has... Like but You love Glenmore, so... I get that, but I'm saying, like, is Glenmore this... Glenmore in space. 
I, I know, but is this like a complete ripoff of it? Like, look at the board. Let's. This I assume is all- they have permission well, to put that on the box, so I don't know. It's a complete ripoff. That's what I'm asking. First off, this is all fair. We can talk about it. But look at the board. So, Matt, you've played Glenmore. We've all played Glenmore. You got the market up at the top has the same four things with the same free spaces, almost in the same three font. <laughs> you got the same track. You've got the three same piles. You have the same looking victory points. You like this literally looks like Glenmore. I think it's supposed to. I don't disagree with you. They're trading on Glenmore's success. They say right here, Glenmore's sure. designer, Matthias Kramer, has not been directly involved with the development process going on for from Glenmore to Lunar Lunar Architects. However, we did contact him and have kept him informed of our progress along the way. I don't like that. Like designing I I, I need innovation. And I, I don't need reimagining. Yeah, but Glenmore is hard to get a hold of and the theme is boring. This so, is all true. It's still a good game. That's like your opinion. Okay. But if you're saying that, like, if your your excuse for getting this is because it has a more appealing theme, it's the same game. I'm not you gonna don't... get this. Okay. I'm not getting this at all. No, never. I don't need a real. If you don't like Glenmore, you I probably won't it. like Lune Architects. But if you don't have Glenmore, Lune Architects might be something worth looking into. Just That's get the German. If do not approve. Uh, Moving cool. on, everyone, to a game that neither of you will care about even more than this one: the Banner Saga Warbands is our next project. This is a cooperative adventure miniatures-based combat game based off of the Banner Saga, which is a successful storytelling tactical combat game on the PC, which was also kickstarted. It came out a couple of years ago, got a lot of accolades, very popular, and they decided, they being the design team, decided to turn it into a board game. One of the reasons being when they tested the video game, they actually tested it on the tabletop to get the combat um, and some of the the elements right for the video game. They just did it all on the tabletop, so why not take that, turn it into a tabletop game? So it's a combination of card-based, you know, adventures and, and events, and eventually you have encounters where you then go to a separate board and do some minis-based tactical combat all the combat is diceless it's all based on statistics of your uh, individual dudes that you level up and manipulate as you see fit in terms of special abilities and uh, thematically this is all about this norse world where vikings are joined up with these giants and they're traveling around the world and they're fighting off this you know evil of some sort or another So the reason why I found this game interesting is one, because I really like the video game. So the theme really appeals to me and the art style is awesome. Love this art style. But also I like the idea that it's cooperative and you have four different roles. So almost like something like XCOM, you've got four different people who all have their own needs that they can contribute to the team, but they also have to do things on their own for themselves, for their role. So you're navigating the situation of, you know, optimizing what everyone can do for themselves, for their part of the team. And then you're also working together to fight and to storytell and things like that. So I thought the game looked really cool. I don't know that it's necessarily your bag, Dan or Tiff. But Dan, you're the one who brought this to my attention. I think the game is cool. I don't know if I need it on the tabletop, though. I think the computer game does a fine job of basically what you just said. (laughs) 
Yeah, yeah. It it seems like a legitimate re-implementation of the, the game. It looks like it does some stuff different just because you have to. Uh, but I like the the options here, and I think that for someone who likes the game or someone who doesn't want to play the video game, this is a good good option. It is 80 bucks, so it's expensive, but the team behind it is Mercs Miniatures, which is the team who did Myth, and they do the Mercs uh, Miniatures game. Tiff, you are, uh, you're familiar with Myth, right? I know a little bit about yeah. Myth. So Myth is not a great game as of the old rule book, but I can say that the miniatures that they put out are really, really high quality. I'd almost venture to say that Mercs is doing better work than Cool Mini or not in terms of the the detail, and they do a lot of different... Um, they play with the, the sizing and the structures of their miniatures. I've got a whole box of Myth Minis that Tiff was <laughs> kind enough to send me that are really, really high quality. So for 80 bucks and the level of quality you're going to get, I think it seems reasonable. But again, games are getting expensive and these big box adventure games are becoming more and more common. So I don't know. Moving forward, the last game that I want to talk about in detail is called Leonardo, the Game of Art and Death. And the Plague Edition, excuse me. Uh, And this is... How do I describe this game? Let's go over the details. The game costs $150. Base game. It ends on December 24th. I want to read a little bit about this game to you, Dan and Tiff, and to you listeners. And I want you to tell me how you're feeling about it after reading this description. As you scroll through the page, you get a lot of really nice pictures and small gifts of the game it's very stylized it's a really good looking game but that's what they feature mostly then you get to the gameplay section so this is how the game works all players start from a corner of the game board which is leonardo's birthplace each time the player passes this circular track they receive 500 dollars from the board if they land on it they get 1000 As you roll and move across the board, if you land on a particular field, you may buy that property. If you don't want to buy it, the other players auction it off. Before you take your turn, you can auction and trade properties with other people. If you're low on money, you can sell back your properties for half their price. Is this Renaissance Monopoly? This is $150 Renaissance Monopoly. Okay. Almost down to the T. This is Renaissance Monopoly. It has nice money. Oh, it's got amazing money. It's got amazing components. It looks awesome. But if you don't scroll through pages and pages of text and decide to read the gameplay, you are going to pay a lot of money for Renaissance Monopoly. Yeah, it looks like Monopoly with art instead of properties almost. It's it is the exact same game. And the first comment in the comment section, well, after a guy saying, I'm going to buy this game, the second comment is, is this just $150 Monopoly? And they try to make an excuse about how they've done a lot of playtesting and development. This is Monopoly, people. So we've had two of our three games today that are basically games that have already been done with <laughs> a third, different theme. <laughs> Well, all three games are games that have already been done. One is a board game of a video game, and the other two are copycats of old games. We're not running out of ideas here, designers. Is That can't be it. Right? I looked, and the funny thing is, is that I looked at several, I, I go through a lot of Kickstarter projects before I do this, and I don't just pick 
whatever's fanciest. I look, there's a couple of different factors that um, factor into my decisions to feature a certain game. And these games are successful. They look interesting. These are games that would grab the average Kickstarter looker's attention. And the other games that I cut out, they had a flaw in some way that is the reason why I don't feature them, whether it's gameplay or design or something like that. This game is strictly here for me to almost make fun of it because I'm so upset that this exists. Can we talk about the amazingly helpful GIF that shows someone rolling a die and moving that many spaces? Yeah. Right. I miss the GIF. Where's the GIF? Don't miss that on that. It's pretty, it's, it's a tense moment. (laughs) Now this game has one twist and I will give it its credit. The, the death part. When you land on a certain space, you become the little skull that is so prominently featured. And you get to go around the board and you make other people pay you if you land. So instead of having to pay rent, the renters have to pay you. Okay? So that is a twist. Legitimate design decision there. Everything else about this game is $150 Monopoly. You know what they should do is have a pledge level where you can just buy the money. They might actually. I read the comments. Somebody wants to just buy the money, and they said you might be able to do that. You might be able to buy uncut sheets of the money. Oh, okay. I would buy the money. Yeah, the money's amazing. The production value is amazing. I'm a huge fan of Leonardo da Vinci. I mean, you can't see behind me, but I have a giant coffee table book that's probably about four inches thick of just all of his work and diary entries and everything. I love Leonardo da Vinci, but I hate Monopoly. The work put into this game to get the theme right, I think, should be commended. The art, the design, the attention to to detail in terms of Leonardo da Vinci is awesome. I said it's also a very nice Kickstarter page. It is. And that's why excellent Kickstarter page (laughs) is that this is a well done Kickstarter about Monopoly. (laughs) What they should do is if this doesn't fund. Oh, it'll fund because I think that people are going to get trapped. I don't think people are going to pay attention. Because they never describe it as Monopoly. They, they fluff the language and they, I'm not saying that they're doing this on purpose. I think that these designers may legitimately think they have something here, but it is definitely Monopoly. See, it should say that it's a variation of Monopoly on the cover of the box. Right. Learn a lesson from... Loon Architects. Architects. Yeah, I don't know. They should just relaunch a campaign where they sell sweet Renaissance components. I think that would be cool. I would buy that kind of a thing. All right, going back to Loon Architects, I'm looking at their website. And the tiles have the same symbolism as Glenmore. (laughs) Like, almost to the T. Oh, this is blowing my mind. What we've learned today is that Kickstarter is not only always a wonderful place. Oh my. Yeah. <laughs> these are these are top projects. These are featured, you know. These are on the list for things that people should look at. Ooh, anyway, well, no, good luck to them. I mean, if they can if they can yeah. do it, and maybe we there are enough legitimate changes that it's a different game or like Tiff said if you can't get a hold of Monopoly or Glenmore, <laughs> if you can't get a hold of Monopoly, um, <laughs> like you might need to back these. But oh, oh man, one hundred and fifty. If you're like a huge Monopoly fan, right? Like you're a huge Monopoly fan, you want like a really deluxe. Yeah, but if you're a fan edition. of Monopoly, you don't want this because it's not Monopoly. Because it's like a bastardization. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. It's fake Monopoly. 
I'm gonna I, I'm gonna go listen. hug my copy of Glenmore when we're done. I'm give it a I hug. want if any of our listeners are backing this or thinking about backing this, I want to know why. I just want to know the kind of people that would back this. Which game? This Leonardo game. I'm oh. fascinated that this is. It's already well, got eighteen thousand dollars. Let's take a step back, though. Like, so there's what maybe give or take eleven billion renditions of Mon- Monopoly, right? And people Correct. still buy those. Because they're attracted to the theme. Yeah, grandmas and some of the buy twists. them to give for Christmas and birthday presents. Our game store sells them, and they are How a designer many hobby actually store. Actually, play those. I, I get it. I'm just saying, like, it's still relevant. And if this theme appeals to people, it it looks good on their shelf. I don't know. I, I could see why people buy it. That that's I can see it. I would never touch this ever, ever, ever. Uh, I wouldn't even touch it with your hand, Tiff. I would. <laughs> Do you know how much Monster Truck Mayhem you could buy for $150? That's on Kickstarter. Go buy go back that. Yeah. Agreed. Don't back Monopoly. Do that. I'm saying. Go go back a better roll and move game. It's a pretty Monopoly rendition. That's what it is. And if you want another one of those, go for it, I guess. Yeah. All right. I don't support you going for it even. But let me know how it feels cuz I won't touch it. If you touch it, I want to know what it feels like to touch it. Send me one of your tiny minis that looks cool. Anyway, keeping on the theme of games that have been done before, our quick mentions today also fit into that category, and I didn't even mean to do this, so whoops. The theme episode. The theme. uh, Our first quick mention is AKO Dice version 2. This is a project that I backed and that Ben backed. This was completed shortly... Uh, a couple of months ago, we got fulfillment on it. it. Basically, it's a dice Kickstarter, but they're very cool, fancy dice. They have a new style for this version. They come in lots of different colors, and they're anodized aluminum. So I really like mine. I have mine right here next to me, and I'm very happy with them. So 15 bucks gets you two dice, and you can add more, and they have all kinds of stretch goals. I actually ended up getting a second set for free as a Kickstarter stretch goal. So that was cool. Um, I may back this. I don't know that I need more dice, but I do love dice. So this is a cool, cheap one to get some unique dice. 15 bucks, and it ends December 18th. And the last project that we will uh, quick mention is Wits and Wagers Epic Geek Edition. So this is Wits and Wagers. As you may or may not know, it's a guessing, bidding kind of, I don't know. It's it's a gambling game in which you answer questions and try to be the closest to get the right answer, and then people bet on who they think is right. And this is a new version that has a whole kind of geeky theme to it. So instead of just random uh, pop culture questions, this has more targeted Star Wars and vampires and zombie literature and all kinds of stuff like that. So it's got some themes that might appeal to gamers and geeks and things that, like that. This game runs you 42 bucks plus $10 shipping. It ends on December 12th. And my concern is that why does Wits and Wagers need $100,000 to meet their goal? Yeah, I, I saw that. And it's it's, it's really high. It's not, doing, it's not doing well. They have a lot of time left, but $100,000 is a lot of money. Yeah. And $52 for a party game is a lot of money as well. I know you're getting like nice art yeah. and things like that. And it it's has a some- good party game, but that's a lot of money. It's a good party game, but is it going to... It's not better than Code Names, and that only costs 20 bucks. 
Yeah, but most people already have a form of wits and wagers. Do you really need another one? I guess I understand because it's got the geeky influence, but for it's technically all new content. So if you already have it, this is new stuff. You're not getting any repeats. But yeah, fifty two bucks is a lot of money. No, thank you. I don't think so. Tiff, do you like wits and wagers? You play that with the kids, don't you? The kids like wits and wagers, and we have two versions: uh, the regular version and the family version. And I feel like they could appreciate a geeky version, but they're not going to get to because I don't have $52 to spend on one. Yeah, it's a lot of moolah. It's a lot. (laughs) I mean, how much is classic wits and wagers? I don't remember it being expensive. I think it was like $30, $35. I love classic wits and wagers. That game's amazing. Right. So, I don't... I mean, I guess it's the the money they put into the artwork because all the player boards have... Super fancy artwork and stuff. It'd be cool so. if they like had like the cards that you could like adapt to your current version of Wits and Wagers and just add in the nerdy cards, like an expansion pack as opposed to a whole new game. Yeah. I think that would be more appealing to me. I agree. You can get Wits and Wagers, the second edition for $20 online, $30 retail. You can get the deluxe edition for $23 online, 35 retail. So I don't know why this one is so much more expensive. And this is the deluxe deluxe. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't really care for some of the art either. So. Yeah. I mean, it's nice and they put out good content. I'm not denying North Star Games ability to make a game. This is just a a game that they've already made. And they're yeah. pricey. I prefer but. to see it as an expansion. Yeah. All right. So. That is all we have for Kickstarter. Not a super enticing week of Kickstarters, but we'll keep on the hunt for some new stuff. And with that, we can go ahead and end the show. So if you like the show, if you like us, we would love if you gave us some reviews on iTunes, some hearts on board game links or reviews on Stitcher. We appreciate that. If you ever want to reach out to us, you can do so by finding us on Facebook by searching for the League of Nonsensical Gamers. You can shoot us an email at podcast at nonsensicalgamers.com. You can go to the BGG Guild number 2077 or go to guild.nonsensicalgamers.com. If you are interested in a micro badge to rep your tiny meeple shield pride, go ahead and uh, post in the thread that's over on the guild and we'll tip you some geek gold so you can get one of those. Uh, Or feel free to find us on places like Instagram. We post a lot of pictures and love to start conversations all over social media. Uh, If you want to have a direct conversation, the easiest way to do that is on Twitter. Dan, if one of our lovely listeners wants to chat with you on Twitter, how do they do that? Uh, I run the league account at League Nonsense, and my personal one is at Scandalous underscore Nad. Correct. Miss Tiffany B., how do they reach out to you? I am at IneptGamer on Twitter, and that's it. <laughs> and go watch Board Game Blender. Oh, that too. Yeah, you should watch Board Game Blender. We should. Tiff has done a lot of episodes of Board Game Blender, and we have not been been uh, publicizing it. <laughs> yeah, well, and the thing is, is I have gotten some emails uh, about Board Game Club stuff. So if you're looking for recommendations for a, a, a kid's or teenager's Board Game Club, that is a good resource. Yep. Yeah. It's because the Dice Tower hasn't accepted us yet into their network, so we don't publicize them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sad. We're just waiting patiently for them to <laughs> swoop down. Yeah, sweep swoop down on us and say, "Hey, we want you." Maybe we should. Uh, maybe we should ask. But anyway, I am at Cinnamon Buns 
spelled phonetically or stupidly, depending on who you ask. My brother. Uh, And be sure to look out for Dan and Tiff at BGGCon. If you are going, they are planning and planning on playing some games. So be sure to uh, hit them up and ask them to play things like Euphoria or Spyfall. These sound like good options. All right. So for now, we will see you next week for a full episode. Goodbye. Bye. Toodles. (laughs) Bye.